Time to go back to the beginning and do it all over again on Overview with Asteroid G. You're listening to Not So Live from Asteroid G. I'm Mike Nicholstein. With me, as always, is... Joe Crispy. <laughs> and Commissioner Queen Bee. I stole that one. It's I, it's from it's from a program called Impractical Jokers. It still killed me though, so I'm just saying. <laughs> oh well. This week we are going to be doing a overview of The Wire, the five season show that aired on HBO a long time ago and like basically helped to launch a lot of people's careers and is still held even now as like one of the best dramas TV has ever produced. Uh, mm-hmm, it's just, mm-hmm. all in all, it's just a, like, a seminal work, I guess you would say. Well, half of us snicker at the word seminal. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, <laughs> so, wow. What? Actually, you know, on that topic, the guy who created The Wire, the producer whose name I can't remember. I have to go look it up now. David, David Simon? Simon? Thank you, David Simon. So the guy who created The Wire, David Simon, then went on, like, a few, more recently and had that show about, um, porn and so forth on uh, 42nd Street in New York, uh, The Deuce. Oh, yeah, The Deuce. So so at that point, the comment about Seminole, <laughs> it actually makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> so, The Wire. It's a show about cops and drug dealers in Baltimore and whatever else the show, other topics the show covers, newspapers and seaports and education. It all basically boils down to narcotics, bad guys, quote-unquote, and good guys, quote-unquote. And it's the the depth the show goes to, while it tries to paint the cops as somewhat good and the drug dealers as somewhat bad, It's it doesn't ever, like, just black and white anything. No, it's, what it basically shows is that the more things change, the more things stay the same. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's very true. Like, I mean, I, it's getting ahead of us to talk, comment on, like, all of it, like, the, the end of the series, but the, the series basically, like, sets up interaction between the cops and then the primary drug dealer for the first season, played by Idris Elba. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, he, was the, he was the right-hand man. Well, but he fair. basically became the, 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 the primary. The big bad. He, he was the one that they kept an eye on through most of the series. You have Jimmy McNulty, who's played by Dominic West. You have, I guess, the... Deputy Commander for Operations, who is William A. Rawls, who kind of is like the 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 dick boss that nobody really wants, but you have him anyway. Yeah. You have the Assistant State Attorney, who is Rhonda Perlman, who for, originally starts out as like a side piece for McNulty, but ends up being the actual girlfriend of McNulty's uh, lieutenant, Cedric Daniels. You then have Wendell Pierce, who is played, who plays William Bunk Moreland. Uh, Bunk is his nickname, and he is kind of partners up with McNulty in one way or another because yeah. they're friends. You have Kima Greggs, who is the um, she's not only a, a black cop, which is you know different and great, and then you have, uh, but she's also a lesbian, so she brings in that um, LGBTQ. At a time when that wasn't really represented um, that well on television, no less. No, not at that time, especially. Yeah. Right. Um, you have Seth Gilliam, who is currently in The Walking Dead. So this show actually launched his career with HBO. 
Um, you have through most of the episode, you have his partner who is detective Thomas Herc, um, who basically is the, the white cop douchebag. Um, <laughs> you have Clark Peters, who is detective Lester Freeman, who basically becomes like, um, the understated hero who doesn't really give a crap, but does give a crap, I guess. Mm-hmm. That would be the best way to describe him. Um, and then you have some of my favorite characters in the entire series, which is Reginald Bubbles Cousins, who plays Bubbles. Um, he's a drug the dealer trying... Yeah, heroin addict. Drug yeah. um, addict. Uh, who turns who turns his life around by yep. the end. Um, and he's one of my favorite. But my favorite character in the entire series is Omar Little, played by Michael Kenneth oh. Williams, who oh, yeah. Yeah. is absolutely amazing and really makes up for the fact after Idris Elba leaves, I think, season three, um, really makes up for the missing part of Idris Elba. Because Idris Elba, you know, is it yourself, what, what, what's the point of not having him in the show you know what i'm saying he's awesome well that's the um, thing that the show gets gets into and i think it's what the, sh- the that whole thing you're mentioning about how the the more things change the more they stay the same is the fact that you, you see the rise of the barksdale group however whatever you want to call it uh b uh-huh. or whatever which you know eventually is taken over by idris elba's character stringer bell uh and he guides it for three seasons even if he's only kind of recurring in the second but what he's a fa- like standing opposed to him isn't just the cops, but it's Omar as well, who's kind of like this vigilante stealing from the drug people just kind of because it's fun and because he's also trying to clean up the streets in his own fucked up kind of way. Right, um, vigilante way, exactly. Yeah, exactly. He's the Robin Hood character. Yeah. But by the end of the Boy, season was. series, you, you get like a different character who kind of grows into the Omar thing after spoiler omar dies while at the same time you have another drug dealer coming up and basically being the new stringer after stringer and whoever follows up stringer is taken out so it's like for all that the cops do for all that they take out these quote-unquote bad guys and try and clean up the streets all they're basically doing is leading to another generation of cops having the same problems with the same kind of people all over again and it's and also it seems like every time they take down one I guess criminal mastermind. It just slowly gets worse mm-hmm. with that, each additional iteration of it, too. Right, and and and, yeah. and everything, um, and everything that is being done. You see that it's not just um, African Americans who are doing the drug dealing. It actually comes from a group that's usually from the UK that's bringing these drugs into the country. Um, they one of the bigger head honchos is called the Greek, and he's mm-hmm. Not Greek, but he's called the Greek, and he's really the one who's kind of yeah uh, playing the game from the outside and utilizing the gangs on the streets to sell the merchandise. So you really get to see the pyramid effect of what actually happens. They do a good job in showing um, the the drug cartel and how it's all set up, and then they also show the differences of the uh, several groups that are selling drugs on various corners and why the the gangs are so you know angry at other groups because you know perfect corners and then you have the cop aspect of trying to get drugs off the street by keeping them in just a specific section of town that really has no people 
like a, a completely vacated part of the city. And so they in t- basically tell drug dealers, go there. We're not going to arrest you, but go there. We don't want to see you on our corners. If we see you on our corners, we're going to arrest you. But if you go to this part of town, we, w- we will let you sell your drugs. It doesn't matter. Well, that's because yeah. it's, it's whack-a-mole. It's the more you take them out, the more they crop up anyway. You can't solve the right. problem by taking out the street-level thugs. And unfortunately, all that the cops in Baltimore, which is where the show is set have the option to do is take out the people that are right in their town. You really want to take out the drug problem. Well, I mean, that's the thing. You go up the chain far enough, you can start taking out the people that are supplying it, but there's always going to be someone supplying it. And the problem with the drug trade is the fact that we're trying to make it a crime instead of just being like, okay, we need to control this better and try and do something different, which was the plot of the third season was move them all over to this empty projects and try and do it that way, which seemed to be working for a time until someone had to go and screw things up again because this problem can never just be fixed. Right. And it's like, because you have the gang still fighting with one another, you can't all sell drugs on the same corner. It doesn't work that well way. It doesn't work well either. So um, you just, you basically have to kind of fight each other. And then as you fight each other, groups get mixed up. And then, you know, towards the end of the series, you have basically the lower, the the new up-and-comer who is taking out everybody, yep. all of the links, because he wants to be, he wants to be the main guy. And so in the end, um, you know, uh, in order to get out of a, a life in prison kind of situation, he makes a deal and, and says, I'm not going to do this to find out that it doesn't matter. Because he's still, it's not, it's not about the drugs for him. It's about the violence for him. So that's where it changes is that you, you see the basically growth of what has happened. You've taken out all the smart leaders because Idris Elba's character was trying to go to college and trying to learn about economics and to make the drug trade easier and better and faster and more lucrative. And then you, and then he dies and then you have, you know, the people kind of step in to find out that they're all trying to make their lives better. And they have this um, season where they kind of focus on the schools, which is where they get their street runners from. And you have, uh, you know, the difficult kids and a lot of those difficult kids grow up on the street, grow up on the corners. And that's where their life is. And that's where you get the whole um uh, street mentality for a lot of not just Baltimore, but a lot of gangs yeah. in New York and Philadelphia and, and Baltimore and all of all the other cities is that they don't think they're going to live very long because if they grow up on the street, they're going to die early. So why should they care about going to school? That kind of thing. Yeah. But yeah. then you have a group of people who are trying to teach them and socialize them to a better standard, I guess is what they're trying to do. And they show a, they really show it well. This these are the struggles that everybody's going through right now, um, and it, and it's still even though this was what ten years ago, twelve years ago. It, it, not much has changed. Technology has changed. Nothing has literally changed. Nothing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like it's still the same. Like nothing has changed. They also show a good side of the cop side, which is. Even though you have some people who want to make a difference, the ma- the new mayor towards the end of this, the last season, um, he really wants to get, he wants to become mayor to make changes. And eventually his goal is to become a governor, obviously, but he wants to make the changes. I think at the very beginning, he really wants to make the changes, but then realizes city doesn't have the money, doesn't have the back, doesn't have 
the support it needs in order to make these changes. So if you're going to make these changes, you got to get support and you can't get support because everybody's about just like the drug trade. Everybody's about climbing the ladder. They're not about Mm -hmm. change. They're about climbing the ladder. So again, nothing changes because it's just a game of climbing the ladder, doing as little as possible to move up the grid. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. But I agree. Like this show did a lot to, I think kind of put a magnifying glass on the living conditions of a lot of bigger cities, you know, and like we're all, we all live in Indianapolis and I'm sure that the same stuff happens downtown. Like, oh yeah, absolutely. In the in yeah. the vacant parts, I mean, I you know my day job is working with properties and and maintenance and stuff like that. So I get to see a lot of what happens in our housing, and it's very similar. I mean, I've been in real estate for a long time, and it's very similar across every state that I've ever lived in, every city I've ever lived in. It's it's pretty much the same. Mm-hmm. Um. And it and it's sad. It it kind of hurts me to my core to see that there's no way to really change this until you stop the climbing of the ladder. Until until you're able to basically get rid of everything that makes being in politics lucrative. Yeah, you won't ever yeah. be able to change anything. It'll remain the same. Because yeah, politicians need someone that you know is at the top and they need someone at the bottom <laughs> and, right. and, and the order people to be, who are at the bottom are easier to stay or make stay at the bottom. Well, exactly. The, the way that our world, our society is currently set up is that we benefit from those who don't make a lot of money yeah. because they are constantly struggling to make ends meet. Um, you can see it just not to try to make this political right now, but right. you can see it in the, uh, <laughs> the current situation that's going on where we're not giving money the social situation is that we're not giving money to those who are on furlough. They're only getting so much per week. So they don't, uh, because they're not officially unemployed, they're just on furlough. They're not able to get that extra $600 to that paycheck. They're only able to make their hundred dollars a week or $87 a week. And so they are stuck in the situation, but they're the people who would actually add to the economy because every dollar that comes in gets spent in the economy. Like if you're going to have a like actual discussion about the wire, you have to bring politics into it because like, like what you were saying, like the it's, it's hard to say that politicians have, and this is on both sides of the aisle. You know, I'm, I lean Democrat. Actually, I'm lean further than left in that, but, um, like you have people who are already in abject poverty and then it's like, okay, well I have an emergency bill. So I'm going to have to go to a payday loan place that has like a, what is it? Like 250% APR on it. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Something something, crazy. Yeah. Something that's like, what the hell? Like, so you're borrowing a hundred dollars and in like three weeks, it's going to be a thousand dollars. So they're just living Mm -hmm. in perpetual debt. Yeah. But then like someone like Jeff Bezos is, doesn't have to pay as much taxes as the person who is living less than paycheck to paycheck. And he's just hit $200 billion while right. he's like, like that's ugh, gets me all heated. <laughs> it, it does, No, it, but you know, that makes the, that's the, that's the sense of why this is such a good show is that it does show both sides um, yeah. and the growth of both sides and how people who have basically said, I'm fed up with this BS 
they go and change their lives accordingly. And it, and it goes on both sides, both the uh, cops, you know, so, um, Daniels becomes a lawyer. His mm-hmm. girlfriend eventually becomes a judge instead of uh, the lieutenant and the uh, assistant attorney or whatever. And they grow because they basically say, you know, he could have the opportunity of making six figures by being the chief of police, but he doesn't want to have to uh, play the game anymore. He's tired of the game. And so he basically says, you know what? I was willing to work with you, but I'm not going to do this. So they end up putting a white guy as the chief of police in Baltimore because that white guy is willing to play the game. Yeah. Um, and he moves on and he betters his life because one, he's happier. And, and two, you know, he, he feels like he's making a difference. Uh, they show with McNulty, they show that, you know, when he's happy and he's contented in his job, he's not an alcoholic. He's not a, you know, he's not a douchebag. But when he has to go back to homicide and try to figure, and he's in it, he literally creates his own problem oh, yeah. by oh, trying to yeah. solve <laughs> murders that he already knows who killed them. He just can't prove it. So he creates a serial killer situation uh, to basically try to pin it on these people realizing that if he gets caught the entire thing is going to fall to shit but um he between those like he starts out as an alcoholic he loses his marriage he gets out of alcohol because he gets bumped down and he goes to the ports and he meets somebody and he ends up having a really good life for a few years and then he's called back to homicide to do this whole thing and so his life falls to shit again so It shows the struggles of stress levels on people when when you're on that kind of situation where you have to deal with negativity 24 hours a day and you can't make ends meet because I mean, you can't you can't solve the case because everybody above you is basically saying it's not important. Yeah. Yeah. So then he tries to create it to make it important and then creates his own problems. So. The, 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 the brilliance of the show is that it shows not only the fact that the problems are systemic from one level of the situation to another, from the street levels to the people running it, to the cops, to the upper level cops, you know, the chief of police and so forth, and then the government above him. The, the entire system is built in such a way to keep the problem going instead of actually solving it. But it's also that it then dives into each of the characters to show what the stress of the situation is, how it affects them, what they have to do to cope or not cope, and instead, you know, bail out or do something illegal. Or It, 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 it manages to convey across its five seasons with five different quote-unquote subjects it's doing all related to drugs, the whole of the situation and let people understand how this works in such a way. It's very nuanced and there is no real good or bad or right or wrong because of the perspective it takes on all of the characters. Oh yeah. Like, right. The, yeah. The entire time here, I, I kind of felt like I'm not sure who I'm supposed to root for in this. You're not like that's the because point. I, I rooted for Omar. Oh, I, <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, I was yeah. devastated when spoiler, and, like even his, <laughs> Well, I mean, it's been out for over a decade. We ah, I know, it. I know. It's just fun to say spoiler. We'll talk about a movie from the 1920s. Like, oh, and also spoilers. spoilers. Just so you know, it rains. It's, we win World War One, But anyway. But, but like, uh, the show just shows, like, everything's cyclical. Like, uh, 
Omar is this big badass who everyone's terrified of, and he gets shot and killed in a convenience store by a little kid. Yep. Right. Just, who, who the only reason is just because he wanted street cred. Yep. You know, like, cred. Right. But the funny thing is, if you pay attention to like three episodes later in almost the last episode, yeah. the story of Omar's death is that he Omar was taken out by a crew from East Side um, by yeah. six guys who were like all hired in to kill him assassin style, you know, that kind of thing. Okay. And so even the little kid who did it for street cred isn't going to get the yeah. street cred. Yeah. But it's like, there's, there's he, the fact that um, along with that, there's like the, the quarter boy who tries to rebuild his life and get out of that life and ends up uh, turning towards violence and, in such a way that he becomes the next vigilante Omar. Then while Bubbles mm-hmm. actually gets himself out of the life, one of that kid's friends gets deeper into it, gets hooked on drugs, and just basically becomes the next perspective on Bubbles. Um, and then there's Marlo, the uh, guy who basically starts taking over the gangs from uh, Stringer after Stringer sent up and all that. And he basically becomes the next Stringer insofar as even getting involved with the same people who want to just, you know, use the drug money to do, like, real estate and everything else. No one gets out of this system. The system constantly forces people into the roles that the system can perpetuate itself and people can make money. Oh, yeah. The show also does a good job of showing how both the drug life and the police life is very similar uh-huh. in a school structure, very similar in a corporate structure like a newspaper. Yeah. Very similar in like it's it's all the same. Um corporate is corporate and drugs are corporate and police yep. are corporate and newspapers are corporate and schools are corporate and it's basically, you know, um, they show a, a Prisluski, they call him Prez, who is a cop who starts out as a really crappy cop. He actually becomes a pretty good cop and then accidentally shoots a cop. And mm-hmm. so he drops out and becomes a teacher. And that's how they kind of lead you into the whole school thing. And then in one of the scenes for the school, he's basically they're talking about testing grades and how if the kids do better on the test year to year, they get money for those kids doing good on the test year to year. So it's basically a pay or play type of situation. So you have to teach the test in order to make the money for the school for the following year. And so he's basically going, oh, you're juking the stats, which is exactly what everybody hates to do in the police department, because juking the stats doesn't change anything. All it does, it's just money based. And then you go to see the newspaper and basically... Um, that, that story is basically you have a writer who's writing about the serial murders that aren't real and the, the writer, the reporter basically starts saying that he's getting calls so that he can get the, the main story on the main page. And so he starts writing things and basically he's lying. He has no notes and he's, he's, he's putting, creating these stories and he's a really good writer. And so the top tier doesn't want to get rid of this writer, even though they're having to make cutbacks and stuff like that, because they know that they're going to be able to get a, a Pulitzer Prize out of it. Pulitzer Prize? Pulitzer out of it. And they're going to be able to get money for the newspaper and get, you know, credits for the newspaper. And that's the whole point is when you write stories, you want to get really good stories so that you can get recognition so that you can keep your business you know that kind of thing so it's the exact same thing it's yeah. it's just you know writ- slightly different but the same yeah and the funny thing you brought up prez i just randomly remembered um he's the only cop in the show that actually fires his gun and both times were a mistake 
<laughs> oh, you're right. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and he, didn't he shoot a black cop? Yeah, he shot. Uh, um, I forget. No, I think it was just a patrol guy, wasn't it? I can't remember. It's been a while since I saw that episode. Well, yeah, I, I remember. It was, I remember that they were saying that he was racist and. Right. And, uh, Turns out that he really wasn't. He was just yeah. a bad cop. He was just yeah. a bad cop. But he was a pretty good puzzle solver. And yeah. so he, when he got up with Lester, he he really found his niche in cr- trying to create the, you know, trying to figure out. And the whole point of the show is called The Wire. Is basically every um, season is based on getting an official wire from. Yeah, they have to tap the drug dealers' phones, and that's part of the showing the perpetuation of the system is that they tap the phones that the drug dealers are using, which were pay phones. So. Instead of that making it easier for them to catch them in the future, the the drug dealers just go to burner phones, cell phones, and so they try and they try and tap the towers that the cell phones are on. So the drug dealers just start changing their burners more frequently. Like it's it never really prevents the problem. It allows them to catch a couple guys, but then they just find a new way to do it, and the system perpetuates itself. Right. Yep. And ironically, how they end up catching the guys in, towards the end is that the phone number of Marlo is actually gotten by Herc, who has now gone to work for uh, the attorney who does uh, the defense for all the drug dealers. And he literally hands it over, but he's handing it over because then he can go to his current boss, his new boss, and say, hey, I know that these guys are going to be able to get off on this because they had to have done a wiretap. Ironically... They do do an illegal wiretap, but that's not the information yeah. that's actually going to bring them to court. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, you know, you didn't really need the wire this entire time. Nope. It, it's great that you did it. It's great that you figured all this out, but, and you know, it, it's just funny. It's that's, just, the, that's, that's the real point of it. The real reason why I think it's called the wire is the fact that the wire in the end doesn't even matter and that everything that they do on the show doesn't really matter because mm-hmm. the system they're creating perpetuates itself. And it needs a complete rethink, but they're never going to be able to do it. So it's just it's just stuck within its own world. You didn't think that it was like a metaphorical wire? The, I mean, that makes sense. Because they're, everybody's walking a wire? Like a, it's, too, it's yeah. like... Uh, yeah, uh, it's uh, like uh, everybody it's, has a thin path to walk before they fall off one way or the other. Tantra. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think it was it was aptly named, but it's it's nice that they actually try to get a wire for all of this. But yeah. um, I, it, 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 I I thank you for making me watch it. It was a good yeah, show. I'll yeah, give you no, that. I, I like that show. It's interesting to me also just to like like wrap this up a little bit here. A couple of the different people on the show that play bad guys, quote-unquote, uh, like um, Idris Elba, who played Stringer, and then uh, the guy who played Marlo, uh, Jamie Hector, both went on to play, like, stri- straight up uh, on the up-and-up cops on future shows. Well, kind of on the up-and-up. I mean, Luther is... Luther's a... He's not a dirty <laughs> cop, but it's hard to say that a, he's, like, a straight-up, like, good guy either, because... He's know, a... He's a good guy. He, he, he takes the bad methods to do the right thing, though. That's just chaotic good. If you want to use <laughs> Luther, Luther is definitely chaotic good. Yeah, and then you absolutely. Uh, Jamie Hector's over on the uh, Amazon show Bosch, 
Which actually, you know, for a show that I've never reviewed on the website because I never felt it was, like, hooky enough to really require, like, reviewing it. It's like, it's a police procedural. If you like police procedurals, you go watch a police procedural. That's what it is, you know? But for that, he's actually pretty good. The show's actually kind of tolerable. Mm. Rousing review. <laughs> and also pretty there tolerable. Were... For a show I've watched six seasons of, that's all I can say is, yeah, Boss is pretty tolerable. <laughs> and also there was a, a few cast members that uh, found their way over to the office because the, the creators of the office really enjoyed the wire. Oh yeah. Yeah. Amy Ryan and Idris Elba. Oh, okay. Yeah. I forgot Idris Elba was on the show for a little while. Yeah. And it was amazing. <laughs> well, yeah. Cause you love Idris Elba. He's a fantastic actor. He, I, I can't even find him in the listing for this show though. Are you really? Oh, there he is. There he is. I found him. Okay. <laughs> yeah, spelled uh, with an I, not an E. But uh, the thing is, Josh, and I'm sorry to tell you this, he's actually pretty good in the really, really shitty Fast and the Furious movie he's in. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, he was really good in The Dark Tower. I loved him in <laughs> The Dark did, Tower. Yeah. yeah. He, he, he does fantastic jobs in really shitty movies. Yeah. Well, I mean, I liked Matthew McConaughey, too. It was just the movie just wasn't God, good. There was no story to that. Yeah. No. When, when you have like twelve thousand books, like you'd think that they can have like some semblance of a story, but know, right. Uh, anyway, so we are are we done ranting about the fact that the system sucks, but the wire's really good. This well, the system does suck, and it sucks pretty much across the board. So no matter what job you have, like mm -hmm. I, I believe Mr. Josh is hoping to become a teacher at some point. Yes. Oh, yeah. No, I already know. I deal with bureaucracy every day like that. Okay. Well, bureaucracy. The third season, Josh. <laughs> right. Josh is now going to be in third season, and Mike what? already works in uh, government, so you, you deal with that. Five day. seasons at that point. Yeah. Yeah, and I've been in real estate for 24 some odd years, so I deal with the real estate aspect kind of, of it. I wish I made more, street. but, you know. Yeah. 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 Uh, All right. There's no, yeah, everything's bureaucratical. Yeah. But good show, good Just show. I give, I give, yeah. I give. Uh, I'll even give now, it five stars. Even now, ten years later, it's still a great show to go back and watch. Yeah. yeah. It's just depressing because literally nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. No. Nothing's no changed. Aside from aside from the fact that the burner phones look slightly different now, everything about the show is basically the same as it was. Yeah. At least you don't have to remake it. It still holds up. <laughs> fifteen years. It's actually fifteen years old. Oh yeah. Jesus. Jesus! It started in two thousand four to two thousand eight. Yep. Oh my god. Okay. Whew, that makes me happy. <laughs> it makes you feel old, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, this has been Not So Live from Asteroid G, regretting all the decisions we've made up till now. I am Mike Finkelstein. Crispy. <laughs> and Commissioner Queen Bee. And we will see you next time.